Why click anywhere else for Internet Talk Radio? They're serious. They mean what they're saying. Open a browser and open your mind. TalkZone.com Welcome back to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber. So we mentioned doing the pill, and, and just to help some of you out there, there's a natural... Uh, rhythm method for birth control, and you can uh, Google up cycle beads among other God, places. God, they are so cool. And you can figure out when the time you can have safe sex with, uh, you don't need a condom or anything else, and it's it's a real, real safe. They call it above 99% accurate, no other um, what birth, is it? Birth, yeah, birth control things are this effective. So there you are, something natural, um, natural rhythm method, birth control, Google up cycle beads. Now, marijuana, this is, this is found out by some scientists, a bunch of scientists in New Zealand, they say we're having an epidemic of lung disease, lung cancer. And a lot of it you get this big uh, freight train of media on the cigarettes, but they say a great deal of it is caused by marijuana smokers instead of cigarette smokers. And marijuana, I, we, I told you about how I could massage people and feel their lungs and know that they were on marijuana. This is in the early 70s. So marijuana is 20 times more damaging to the lungs than cigarettes and and 20 times more likely to cause lung cancer so how many of you knew that so who cares that people say well it's not addictive what does it matter it's ruining your lungs every time you use it so once again i want you all to take a look at what the media does cigarettes is the big culprit all the articles are saying how smoking's ruin your health and marijuana is 20 times as bad as cigarettes so you can smoke one marijuana uh, cigarette or uh, uh, 20 cigarettes to equal the same amount of damage to your body. So why why isn't everyone yelling about the marijuana cigarettes? And you know I can verify it because back in the 70s, uh, the the tight lungs. I, I don't remember any cigarette smokers that had this. And I would just say you know once again if the setting was right. Uh, well, it looks like you, um, you know, they would have a cough sometimes, or you know, the, the shoulders and everything would be real tight. And I says, you notice this tightness here? I touch there; it's a little painful. I touch here; they go, yeah. Well, I believe it's from smoking too much marijuana. You're doing that. And he goes, yeah. Well, I do quite a bit. And I go, well, if you don't want this, and later on down the line, what it's going to lead to, then you might want to lay off of that or slow way down on it. And you know, most everybody took it in good light. Says thanks a lot, but did you know that? It's something really worth knowing, and once again, all the ads and everything is against cigarettes. Who's talking about marijuana except for getting it medically acceptable? This is just ridiculous, isn't it? It is. What a zoo we're living in. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts, offering a place to find sound answers to life's tough questions. If you'd like to call in for a reading, the phone lines are open, 1-800-336-2225. Don't forget to catch us Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. You know, there's a, a Sufi 
master who says some wonderful, brilliant things about ego. Uh, Sheik Rajip. I'm sure I said that wrong. Nevertheless. We still love you. <laughs> it's more important what he had to say. Well, so he sounds very wise, doesn't he? Yes. He says, everybody wants God, but fights like the devil to avoid union. I think that's so well put. So... In the Sufi tradition, they have three levels of what they call nafs, N-A-F-S. And a naf in Sufism is your different aspects of your ego. So they have the tyrannical nafs, the regretful nafs, and the next step is the uh, enlightened uh, naf, the inspired nafs. These are all, again, the nafs are different aspects of our ego. I don't think I can say it better than him, so I'm going to read this here. In Sufism, the lowest level of the nafs, or self, is the nafs amara, or the tyrannical nafs, which refers to all those forces in us that lead us astray. And at that level, we are also unconscious of them in denial that they exist very much like an addict who says I have no problems with alcohol I just have a little with breakfast and a little with lunch and a little something in between but I don't have any problem I never start before 7 (laughs) a.m. so what's the problem? what's the problem? (laughs) if that's denial that's unconsciousness that makes the tyrannical nav so incredibly powerful Powerful, because they're operating and we don't believe they are. So we think mm. that we're free of them. And you know, it's like this woman one time that I went, I went to her class. This was back when I was a sleeping new ager many, many years ago. And I went to this metaphysical class, and she was bragging to the class about how she was free of ego. Today I would get up and probably walk out of the class if I heard anybody say that because you don't want to be around any teacher who says they're free of ego. Truth of it is, one is never free of ego. Till you die, no matter how humble you are, you have some ego left. When you start getting more humble, you start realizing how true that is. The more humble you get, the bigger you see your ego. Yeah, you you realize how actually big your ego is. And you don't even have a glimmer of that until you start (laughs) touching humble. No, I mean, you might have a glimmer of one level of grossness, but as far as all the fine levels that your ego is operating, you have no idea until you get finer and finer spiritually. Absolutely true. Somebody who's truly humble, when they say, wow, you're humble, they'll look at you and roll their eyes and go, well, yes, I am humble, but I have a lot of ego to still work through. Now, when you hear somebody who's humble say that, you know that you have somebody who's pretty humble. I can only imagine the Dalai Lama saying some graceful thing like that. (laughs) And man, that guy just, you know, he's up at 3 o'clock every morning praying Praying. and meditating for you and me. That's right. For like four hours every morning. Four hours. Yeah. You know, that's not easy on the back or nothing. Nothing. God bless him. That's right. Great leader. 
And many of us are at that stage more than we'd like to think. I think it's a stage that one drops into, for example, when somebody cuts you off on the freeway, or when somebody is rude, or when somebody hooks your pride and makes you angry. We descend into that level of unconscious, unconsciousness, so it's incredibly powerful. You know, we find that righteousness covers this and makes us ignorant to it a lot, too. We just go headlong because we think it's right, and, you know, we simply step deeper into this tyrannical side of our ego. Totally. That's totally, uh, you know, righteousness is dangerous, uh, dangerous territory. You really think that you're right, and so everybody should follow you. There's no listening once you've done that. <laughs> Instead, of you That's think right. you're right, and you're open to maybe there's something to add to that. Yes, which is different than I'm right, period. Well, I think I'm right, but what do you want to add to that? That's a whole different thing, just a whole different point. Okay, next we have the regretful naps or the regretful ego parts. At this stage, you're more aware of it, but you're still caught up by it. It's like, I know I'm going to say the wrong thing. I hope I can stop. Oh, damn, here I go. And you start the sentence, and you know you should shut up. <laughs> this laugh, these laughs you're hearing over here are because we're remembering all the times when we've done the same thing. You go, oh, geez. And, you know, you watch your ego in motion, and you go, I should not let myself do that, and you're doing it anyway. You're listening to Matt. Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber, your spiritual lifestyle experts, offering a place to find sound answers to life's tough questions. If you'd like to call in for a reading, we're at 1-800-336-2225. Don't forget to catch us Monday through Saturday, 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 p.m. Eastern, right here on CRN. And you start your sentence, and you know you should shut up, but you can't. You just do it anyway. In this particular stage, we at least realize that we are off-center. See, this is better than the subconscious parts, because those you go, I don't react like that. Everybody outside you says, yes, you do. I don't react like that. I don't do that. But at this stage, you go, I do react like that. I know I shouldn't do it, but I catch myself, but I do it anyway. That's a stage where you actually have a shot at doing something about this. You have a shot of, like, not just letting yourself, like, oops, I did it, but you don't let yourself do it. Now you're in a position to transform your ego and become more humble. When you're about to say that thing that you know you shouldn't, you simply don't let yourself do it. That means you you psychically well, well up, and the light side of you says, nope, not going to let that happen, not going to happen. You know, they say that the nuclear wars that we really do need on the planet are the internal nuclear wars. And there are those out there that say you don't need to work on your ego, and, you know, it's just, if you just love and light your ego, it'll be better and everything will be fine. And then there's those that are a little bit more wise about the ways of the ego that say, actually, if we're going to have a nuclear war on this planet, we should we should have them, but they are internal nuclear wars. Against our ego. That's right. So, you know, to get anywhere with your ego that's stuck or has you tricked, 
you're going to have to be dissatisfied and chronically dissatisfied until you root it out and change it. You're the man or you're the woman to do it. Nobody else is. But you must be chronically dissatisfied with that. Many people and many groups, uh, therapy groups and stuff, are trying to be busy covering that. Many new age groups are trying to cover it. Oh, you're okay. It's okay. Love yourself. But you must be dissatisfied to root out the problem that's in you. Otherwise, it owns you and it it has met no uh, competition to its hold on you. Well said. Very well said. In that particular stage, we at least realize that we're off-center. We're in the grips of something that is not our highest level of consciousness. You know, we all talk about the second coming of Christ. And the interesting thing about it is the second coming of Christ is actually when you and I choose to become enlightened. We, all together, are the second coming of Christ as enlightened people. It is our task, our duty, our job to become enlightened. And how do you do this? Just like what we're saying right here. You sit on these parts of your ego. That's how you do it. Because as you do that, you sit on your dark side, which is what your ego is, and your light side gets uh, more momentum. So I, I think many of us have seen glimmers, just vague glimmers of what it's like for the second coming of Christ. Let's say that we have children at a school and, you know, they don't have enough money for some necessary cause at the school. And all of a sudden, you and another person get an idea and somebody happens to come to your house and you make cupcakes and make a sale and the whole thing works out almost effortlessly because you all had your hearts wanting to help even though you didn't know quite what you were doing fully at first it all came together three or four of you got together just sort of worked with your timing and you got through the financial crisis for the needs of the kids at school and it just happened that's the kind of thing like Christ consciousness it's a higher power that sort of picks you up or picks the players up, puts them together, aligns them, makes them feel like doing that, makes them happen to want to do it, and they just sort of join and go, and and the beautiful thing happens. So Christ consciousness, the second coming of Christ, is like a world where a higher voice, a higher knowing, orchestrates us in harmony on behalf of humanity. And, you know, it just rolls and works, and, you know, maybe... uh, 50 people or a whole community catch on fire and give extra things to the troops and another another 25 in another town across the country get together and for years they give extra things to the uh, poor or to the people that are having hard medical things and it just catches on all over the place until everyone's doing it and we're living in a new age where more like a paradise kind of thing happening this is the second coming of Christ Christ consciousness where we wait and are, are disciplined under a higher power instead of our egos going well I want this I want that well that's not convenient I don't want to do this. But we're given to a higher power that orchestrates uh, taking care of all of our needs and amping up a higher quality of life for everybody in every way. That's when, um, in that particular stage, we at least realize that we are off-center. We're in the grip of something that is not our highest level of consciousness. 
consciousness. You, you know, I like the way they say that. In the ego, you know when you're in the ego and, and you're in the grip of it, it's gotcha. And you're just blabbing your mouth off. You know you shouldn't say it. And again, there you go. It's You're in the grip of it's it. It's so true. It's your ego. He says it so well. He does. He just nails it. But we still let ourselves do it even, even uh, knowing that we're driven. You know, this is why when people say, well, just love and light it some more and, it, and it'll get better. This is why that's so, it doesn't work. You must battle it. This is where you want the nuclear war inside you, where you nuclear war these parts of you that want to own you and do own you until you take that stand. And then as we continue to work and see it more clearly and as we try to substitute positive action and meditation on uh, on the names of God, which are the positive qualities, little by little, we ideally weaken those forces and move out of their domination. We'll finish this when we come back from the break. Working on our ego, I'll tell you, this is a job that we do until we die. But you know what? After a while, you start getting the hang of it. The muscle gets exercised, and it isn't so hard anymore. At first, it's paralyzing. It's like, you know, geez, I don't want to do this. And, and you get all moody and everything. But after a while, you get more humbled, and you, you can grease through these things easier. It's absolutely true. You're listening to Mastering Ourselves with Keith and Charmaine Amber your spiritual lifestyle experts we offer a place to find sound answers to life's tough questions 